Welcome to episode 25 of the ATL podcast. As the NBA season continues to chug along, we want to take a step back and reflect on the first quarter of the season. As always, I'm here with Nav, but today we have a special guest joining our pod. Welcome, Dayon, and great to have you back. Back for the third time. Thanks for having me, boys. How are you doing, man? How's, how's life? Oh, uh, life's good. Things are, things are good. <laughs> things are great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Nav, what's going on with you, baby? 25 episodes already? Yeah, quarter century mark. Quarter century mark. What do you guys got in each other for your anniversary? I don't know. What should we do? I don't know. Go on a date, but virtually? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. No, everything's good. I'm just excited to break down these uh, awards that we're going to discuss 25 games into the season. Um, but yeah, good to, have, good to have you on, Dan. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a, it's been a wild week, uh, not just in basketball, but in uh, what we were just talking about offline with uh, the stock market going crazy. So that's uh, exciting. Speaking of the stock market, you just passed a really um, serious exam. Like, why don't you, why don't you t- tell our listeners about uh, what happened this week? Uh, no, thanks. Uh, yeah, no, I just found out I got uh, the results back from an exam that I wrote for my CFA Level 2 back in December. And, uh, yeah, got the passing grade this week and moving on to the next. So, yeah. It's congrats, good. man. Thanks. Congrats. I know congrats. working year, year or two on this, having to do a bunch of study cycles, having it being paused or delayed, so I know you were a little bit nervous going into that exam, but congrats, man, that's a huge milestone. So what's next for you um, after this? Do you have more exams that you need to yeah, do? Yeah, so this program uh, involves like three uh, professional, or three exams, and I've done the first two levels, and the third one, it's either offered in May or um, August of this year, so I'm just gonna have to sign up and then get back to studying and you know finish her off this year, hopefully. Beautiful. Well, I got two questions for you, just briefly. Mm-hmm. First one, TFSA or RSP? <laughs> well, the first thing you should do is go to Quest Trade because you can automatically get <laughs> 30% more wealth. <laughs> and no, I mean, this is this is on topic with sort of the, the circus that's been going on in the stock market and in Wall Street right now. So without getting too deep into it, what are your just overall thoughts with what's going on? Because honestly, I don't think anything like this has ever happened in financial history. No, and I would agree with that. I think it was just a perfect storm of a lot of different elements. Um, for example, like what we were saying before, through COVID times, everyone's stuck at home, got nothing else to do. You know, message boards and things like Reddit forums are um, high times right now. People got nothing better to do. Um, in the U.S., they're sending, I guess in Canada too, we send stimulus checks to people, so they got all this extra cash to play with, and they got nothing else to do, so people go straight to gambling, and, or, or the, which is essentially what this has become, uh, and just want to play with it. And now it's easier to buy stocks or like, you know, do things on your phone with apps like Robinhood and stuff like that. So perfect storm of things like that. And then you find opportunities where like GameStop, that situation, it, it, it's, it's like that because, you know, there should be no way that 140% of the um, companies like shares are, are sold short. Like that's more than all the shares outstanding. It's ridiculous. Like it's just a perfect storm of things. So I'm all for it. I'm excited to see how it ends. It was probably going to end with people losing money. Hopefully it's the hedge funds and not the <laughs> non people, but I can't promise that. I was uh, I was looking at a meme and it was like Ellen DeGeneres' face and it was like hedge fund and she was crying and it was like hedge fund managers' faces when they realized they lost billions to an, a guy named Potato in My Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I man, I'm guilty. I'm, I, got, I got a bit of stake in some of those meme stocks. So, you know, the next week's going to be a exciting, um, but also stressful, stressful week for us retail investors. Yeah. <laughs> Hold the line, everyone. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it works out well for you, Tuan. I, I just hope you don't bring down the economy with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think my, you know, very small, minute amounts will have an impact, but you never know, right? So it's just so many people doing the same thing that I'm doing. So hopefully it doesn't, but you know, I'm here for here for the ride and kind of see how it goes. Yeah. All right, so let's get to it, boys. Uh, today we'll share and debate our NBA Awards front runners. So we'll just go through the major six NBA Awards. And let's just get started with the Coach of the Year. Um, Dej, since you're the guest on today's episode, give us your runner-up 
and your early season coach of the year so far. Okay. Um, so my runner-up would be Tom Thibodeau of the New York Knicks. Um, so the Knicks aren't terrible anymore. Uh, and that's all it takes, really, to become a Coach of the Year candidate uh, when you're coaching the Knicks. So they've been very respectful with the near 500 record, and they've moved from a lottery to a playoff team. Um, they lead the league in points allowed, so like the fewest points allowed, and they're fourth in rebounds. And I usually um, constitute good coaching with a good defensive team that rebounds well. And he's made, it looks like the likes of R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and such have kind of turned the corner, so they're becoming better, and mm-hmm. I would attribute that to him. My coach of the year right now is, and I think, you, I don't know, we'll, we'll see what you guys say. I'm curious to see what you, what you guys say, but my coach of the year is Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. Uh, they have the best record in basketball and riding an 11-game winning streak. Um, and again, like I said before about teams playing defense and rebounding, uh, make them legit contenders, and I judge you by that defensive rating and your rebounding. So the Jazz lead the NBA in point differential and in team rebounds, and they're the third best team in terms of points allowed. Um, and I just think Snyder is a guy who's paid his dues, been in the NBA for a while as an assistant with the likes of the Sixers, uh, Lakers, um, Cesko Moscow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like he's been around a long time and I think he's kind of earned it. And, and the Coach of the Year award is, isn't one that like, you know, you're, you're never going to see like a back-to-back Coach of the Year or things like that. So mm-hmm. they like to pass that around and I think it's his, uh, his time to get it. So basically the, the Jazz are basically the same team on paper. So what do you think he's done? <clears throat> Um, just to even improve the team, do you think they're just gelling a little better, having Mike Conley um, come in and this you know second season with that team? Um, what do you think he's done just differently to to get the team to the top of the NBA um, leaderboard? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. I think it's a lot of like familiarity. It's probably because nothing's uh, and I think the Brooklyn Nets can attest to this. Nothing's kind of built in a day. You can put all the pieces together, but it takes that time that you know continuity to kind of build yourself into a legit contender. Um, which is what they've kind of been pounding the rock to get better every year, so it seems. Uh, shout out Dwayne Casey. Um, so I, I think they've kind of paid their dues. They've gelled better. Um, you know, I, I doubt their schemes have changed much, but they're more familiar with one another and getting the job done, it seems, right? Yeah, for sure. And Utah's a team that I've always been high on for the last three, four years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you sure have been. You sure have been really high on them every year for the last two, three years. Just losing money to me with your your stupid Utah is going to be top three. Yeah, so I think, I, think one of, I think one of the things that I would attribute their success to this year would uh, would be Mike Connolly. And mm-hmm. last year they acquired him from the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, they had high hopes that he was going to make an imprint on their identity right away. I think he was so used to a system in Memphis for so long that um, that it was really hard for him to have that change of scenery, especially as a floor general, playing with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, who at the time weren't clicking. Mm-hmm. I think his veteran leadership is definitely showing, improving to, um, to uh, you know, it, it's coming to fruition. And I think that he's a really big uh, proponent of why uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are playing so well together this year. Can I assume that you have Quinn Snyder as a... Nope. Top two candidate? No. Nope. nope. So who are your... Uh, my runner-up was uh, Thibodeau as well. Okay. And well. I think Thibodeau is another identity coach. Like any time Thibodeau is running the show for a team or steering the ship, you know what they're going to do. They're going to play effing hard. And I was really surprised that he's... He didn't have too much success with Minnesota. I feel like the players that he was coaching weren't really susceptible to that, um, to that type of coaching. But with... Uh, with New York, I feel like you got coachable players, and it's really proving to work. And like you said, the Knicks are good again. Who would have thought? Yeah. So Thibodeau was my runner-up. I think anytime he's coaching, you know what you know what you're going to get. He's consistent. Um, my coach of the year was Doc Rivers, and only because Philly has been stuck for the last several years. And anytime you know analysts are giving their preview of teams to watch out for, it's always been Philly because your ceiling has been so high. Uh, there's always been chemistry issues, as we know, between Joel Embiid and, um, and Ben Simmons. And I think they needed to bring a coach like Doc to take them over the hump. It's really hard to go from good to great, especially when you have pretty much the same team year after year after year. For them to buy in and say, OK, we can do it this year says a lot about uh, their chemistry. And I think Doc Rivers has proven, proven to be able to deal with superstars, Boston, um, L.A., you know, he, he can, I feel like if there's a coach that can bring Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons together, 
it's uh, it's Doc Rivers and Philly's first in the East right now. If we're giving the award based on um, quarter success after 25 games, I mean, Philly's first in the East, who would have thought? You know, the, the Coach of the Year award is usually based on like a narrative. So a team yeah. having a really poor record the year before and then playing above their expectations um, uh, in the current year. So with my runner-up um, is a former Raptors assistant, uh, first-year head coach uh, for the Indian Pacers, Nate Borkin. Um, he's been you know, coaching a team that's been missing T.J. Warren all year. They just traded for Karis LeVert, who had some sort of um, some sort of like issue, kidney issue, so he's out for an indef- indefinite time. So he's been playing shorthanded, but you know the Pacers had a really hot start to the season. They've cooled down a little bit, but you're seeing a really strong play from Sabonis, from Brogdon, even Miles Turner is um, turning the corner uh, there as a great young defensive player. Um, so I think he deserves some recognition there and kind of a zag um, top pick. Um, I'm going with Taylor Jenkins. Um, Memphis Grizzlies, they've been hit with COVID. They've been hit with huge injuries to uh, John Morant. Jaron Jackson hasn't played all year, but they're still in the playoff race right now. I know they're seven to six, so they've played like five, six less games than most of the teams. But I think he's done a great job. Even from last year, they were, I believe, whether the ninth seed playing in the play-in tournament, right? So they, um, they improved a lot last year, and this year they're just staying afloat, even without John Morant for two, three weeks uh, due, to, due to that ankle injury that he uh, suffered earlier in the year. So, you know, having JV there, uh, Dylan Brooks, um, some of those young guys, uh, I think they're doing a really good job um, in Memphis. And they have a strong, like a really bright future. And I think he's just my top candidate. I know, obviously, we know how great of a coach Doc Rivers is. Um, Quinton Snyder's has been doing this for four or five straight years, you know, the perennial playoff team with Utah. So I just thought, you know, just to re- recognize some of these young guys quarter way through the season, um, yeah, my pick is Taylor Jenkins. Yeah, no, that's solid. A couple of feel-good stories right there. Yeah. The only thing I would uh, challenge on uh, would be, I, I feel like Doc Rivers is kind of even um, above, the, like a, I don't know how this sounds to say, but like above the award because he's kind of hired, he's been hired to have postseason success. This is a regular season award. I understand like they've improved in the regular season, but you know if, if they don't make it to the conference final and potentially even to the championship, it's a failure of a season for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. Yeah, no, that's why I think you got to keep in mind um, the quarterly. Like we're at the quarter mark. I think you know he's Joel Embiid. You know you can. You know there's no reason why this year he's breaking out. Like why this year? I think it has a lot to do with Doc Rivers that's fair. because um, we've expected this type of play for him for what the last three years, and his his effort has always been in question. But I think that. You know, this time with Doc Rivers, Doc Rivers' resume and the players that he's coached, um, I think there's a sort of a no-nonsense, no-BS approach mm-hmm. in that locker room now. Yeah, I think it's a valid point, especially with um, how they've underachieved the last few years, especially last year, how they flamed out uh, at the tail end of the season and then just getting swept by Boston. Um, I think they are definitely a stronger team. Um, you know, the front office, stronger coaching staff stronger and just I think yeah Joel has just been playing at such a high level that that team is deservingly of the the first place in the Eastern Conference so all right let's move on to our rookie of the year so you know touted as a very underwhelming rookie class I think this this class has kind of played way over expectations guys like Isaac Okoro with the Cavs playing a big role um, for that team a lot of like the top 10 top 15 guys are, you know, logging big minutes. So, Daesh, who are your runner-up and rookie of the year? Okay. Um, so, you know, I, that whole preamble there makes it seem like they're doing well, but, like, I kind of don't care much for this award. Neither do um, I. Uh, <laughs> I was going to preface with this is my least yeah, favorite award. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I guess the, the part of it that, that kind of bugs me is, like, and I feel bad for these rookies because their whole rookie experience is totally different. So I feel like they're being put right into the fire, but it's not the what you're accustomed to. Like they haven't had the summer league experience, a proper training camp, you know, going through like the, the grueling schedule and things like that. So I think it, it you have to take it with a grain of salt. My runner-up, uh, I don't know, it's easy. 
my runner-up is, um, <laughs> I don't really care. Like, it's either Halliburton or Ball. Like, I, and, yeah. and like, and, yeah. and they're just, so, so sure, we'll go with Ball just because his stats are better, like 12, 6, 6, and uh, 1.5 steals a game. And then my winner is um, James Wiseman, just because I think he's kind of dealt with adversity, adversity well in these first 20-some-odd games. Um, from like having started at the beginning and then gone uh, now he's accepted a bench role and he's playing well um, but yeah I, I like I, I think he's a good fit with that team it's nice to see him getting like coached and stuff on the court with with like Draymond and uh, Steph yeah. Curry and that kind of stuff so you can see him growing and I, I think he'll be solid his jump shot looks hilarious though he looks like looks like my uncle shooting at a, at a barbecue or something <laughs> hey let me get one let me, let me get one there young fella <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, that's my pick yeah, it's, you have the exact same two picks as me, actually. Um, I chose LaMelo Ball. There was a stat, like, he assists on 40% of Charlotte's points, which is pretty impressive. He's the, um, he's the fire starter to their offense, um, playing alongside guys like Terry Rozier, playing alongside guys like Gordon Hayward. Like, that's not easy. They have high expectations, you know. They, um, but he's doing a really good job just igniting their offense. He can't play defense, and his percentages are pretty poor. So there's a lot of room to grow for him, especially on the efficiency side. Um, my rookie of the year is James Wiseman as well, uh, because he's 19 years old and he's on such a short leash. And he he got or sorry he got drafted to a team with such high expectations. When you look at the Oracle, the new Oracle Arena, whatever it's called, there's banners everywhere, right? And you got Steph Curry and Draymond Green who who were expecting to sort of start this season. They didn't want to skip a beat. They want to get back to their winning ways. And James Wiseman is a huge part of their success, and they know that. Like, they need him to play well if they're going to be successful this year. Mm-hmm. They're currently ninth place in the Western Conference, and um, you know they'll—I don't want to say they'll go as far as he does, but you know his quick develop development is definitely essential for their success for the remainder of the year. Great points. I think he's done a great job so far, and I think the benching and stuff is just. You know, he's kind of like there's regular class and then there's a boot camp. He's going through a boot camp. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're playing for a championship team right off the bat and they want you to perform. Steve Kerr is yeah. just basically saying like, I don't know, he's just, just, just disciplining him. And he knows that, you know, come the second half of the season, he's probably going to start every game. Yeah, for sure. So he's, he's not on my top two, but um, I do want to give him a shout out just because I do like his game. Uh, I think he's... His a, rookie card doubled. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, true. That, that's a good investment. <laughs> I, I like I like the way he plays with a lot of energy. He's just a freak athlete, and like you said, he he's on a short leash right now. But I think he's going to develop into a really really good player just with the the coaching and mentorship of Draymond there. Um, not only is he going to be a great offensive player, but I think he's you know once as he develops, as he gets more experience with the league, he's going to be an awesome defensive player just with his measurements, with how athletic he is, and yeah, he has a really bright future. For me, Lamelo is number two. Um, like like you guys stated, he's you know I think playing better than what people are expecting. You know, we didn't really know how he would play, especially playing in a inferior league um, in the NBL. Um, kind of having the full reins on that team, he had the ball in his hands the entire time. So we didn't know how he would play alongside with Rozier and Gordon Hayward, but. Um, even though his stats aren't as great, um, my pick for Rookie of the Year is Tyrese Halliburton, um, a guy that was touted to be a top five pick in the draft, fell to number 13 to Sacramento, and honestly, the eye test is there. He, this guy is a solid, solid player. I'm, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be a superstar, but he's going to be a essential part of a winning team, um, and that's what Sacramento is getting. He's He's a kid who's stepping into the game right now and making a huge impact. Uh, I've seen him play twice against the Raptors, and he's wrecked them twice. <laughs> Yesterday, he had a huge three at the end of the game. Um, and the game before that, he had like five threes. And just playing, like every time I saw him make a play, it was the right play. Mm-hmm. It was the right play, especially for a, a young kid. He has an unorthodox like a unorthodox yeah. shot, but it goes in. And he's a very effective player so far in, a, in, in his young career, in young season. So... He's my pick. I really like what I see with him, and honestly, I think Sacramento got a huge deal, especially for a you know late lottery pick. Yeah, this might be um, this might be a little redemption for them passing on Luca, and 
Um, you know, it's not he's not nearly he's not going to become nearly as good of a player. But I agree with the eye test part. I think a lot of teams are going to be kicking their kicking themselves, especially teams that needed a point guard. Mm-hmm. I think from an efficiency standpoint, efficiency standpoint, just body ready. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got the edge on Lamella Ball. Yeah, I, th- I think the Knicks kind of messed up there. I know they got Obi Toppin. He hasn't played much, but they they were you know. If he played under Thibodeau, yeah, and if he just got that tutelage from from those guys, and I think just with a young core there, he would have been the perfect piece to play along RJ. You know, a guy that needs the ball a little more, and Tyrese is kind of like that all-around glue guy that can do a little bit of everything. He would have been a perfect team for any of these young, young and upcoming teams. But you know, good for Sacramento. They they hit on a really good pick there. All right, so most improved player. So many good candidates in this mm-hmm. category. Um, so Dej. Please yeah. lead off for us. I think there's a lot of, like you said, really good options in this and a lot of guys making the next step in their careers, which is good to see. Uh, my runner-up in this uh, category is Colin Sexton. Um, I think uh, he's taken a, a solid step forward and now he's getting a lot more shots on a Cavs team that's, you know, a 500 team with that's currently in the playoff picture and he's averaging, what, 25, 3, and 4? Like, 25 is a high point, point average, right? And up until recently, he was the only player in the NBA to get this to average over 25 points, shoot over 50% from the field, and over 45% from three. That just as of the last game went down. So I think uh, he's making the next step, and that Cavs team is pretty solid. Like, they're in playoff contention, and they've, mm-hmm. they have a couple of good wins against the, the Brooklyn Nets, right? They, you know, it's a very um, even league, and you can tell that by the, by the records. I know it's top-heavy, but, like, you know, from one down to, let's say, 12 in, in each conference, they're kind of, like, within a few games of one another. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's my runner-up. And my winner is uh, Jeremy Grant. So I think, you know, when, when he took the, the contract in Detroit, I, my initial thoughts were, oh, really, he wants to be the guy? Like, why wouldn't you want to be, like, a third or fourth option on a really good Denver team? But And it's nice to see him kind of, like, back up his contract and his decision with his play. Um, he's got a larger role there. He's averaging 24, 6, and 3. And those are all above his career averages of 10, 4, and 1. Like, that's a huge step when you compare it to your career averages. So, like, I, uh, kudos to him. Uh, Coffin kudos to Jeremy Grant and how, how well he's done. And uh, I hope he keeps developing. Solid. Yeah. yeah. You know, Cleveland's an interesting team. I wonder if they're going to flame out. Because right now they have such a high-octane defense and such a poor offense. They're ranked, like, it might have gone up, but they were 30th in offense for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their defense is keeping them into games. Yeah. They're tenacious. But they're young. So I just wonder if... You know, as the season progresses, if they can maintain that identity, because once that defense starts lagging, you know, they're not going to have the offense to sort of keep them in games, especially if they're thinking of shopping Andre Drummond at the trade deadline. Right. So they're going to be interesting to see. I, you know, right now they're, you know, mid pack in the East, but I still expect them to be a play in tournament team. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think, yeah, they, they got a solid team. They acquired uh, Jared Allen. They're probably going to trade Andre Drummond. Get a first round pick or some assets there. Um, they got Darius Garland on that team too. Um, uh, Osmond's on that team, yeah. so they, they they have a young team. Um, and Sexton is a really good pick, actually. I think he's he has that. He definitely has it. I think he has it. He's like that that like little uh, ferocious little. He's a, he plays very he's similar. A he's, he's a, a dog. dog. Yeah. yeah, he plays like Lowry, where it's just like. He just gets it. He gets. He he has it. It's just if you can surround him with shooting, if you can surround him with good defensive players, and let him be that number one guy to score and just get buckets. I think he'll be perfect. Yeah, he um, reminds me of a more refined Patrick Beverly. Yeah. Just just yeah. who people wish Patrick. Who, yeah. pa- who people <laughs> wish Patrick Beverly could be. Who yeah. Patrick Beverly wishes <laughs> yeah, he could be. Yeah. Could be. Um, no, those are good choices. You know, I. I'll name a couple of players just off the bat. Like, there's guys like Julius Randle and Jeremy Grant who I wanted to sort of put as my runner-up, but sometimes there's most improved and sometimes there's just a change of scenery. Like, for example, Julius Randle. Um, you can say he's improved. He's having a breakout year with the Knicks, but he's actually statistically averaging um, this, the exact same stat line pretty much that he averaged back in 2018. Um, so, you know, I think scenery has a sometimes has a... Mm-hmm. An opportunity too. Opportunity. Right? Yeah. I think Jeremy Grant's always been good. He was huge for the Bucks in the bu- or sorry for the Nuggets in the bubble. Um, so you know, I, I expected him to play this way mm-hmm. with Detroit, right? Like put up those numbers with more touches and more minutes. Um, my runner up, I kept it local. I went with Chris Boucher, nice. another guy who I think it might have been scenery because 
you know, we watch him constantly. We know he's a good player. Last year, he was averaging seven minutes a game. This year, he's averaging 14. And his stats have just basically doubled in every statistical category, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but I did say he was my most improved because um, I was going to put him as a sixth man, but because he's such a spark plug off the bench. And the fact that he can continuously, after 25 games or so, bring Toronto so much energy off the bench. I know they're not winning right now, but you can rely on him. You know, he's coming up big for them, and he's definitely providing them with energy when they need it most. Um, I gave my most improved to Jalen Brown, which could be controversial because um, he's already been a good player. But I really think that going from 1B to 1A is a really hard thing to do. And I'm putting him at 1A after 25 games in the season because this guy has been balling out of control mm-hmm. um, in the first in the first quarter of the season, especially with the loss of uh, Gordon Hayward. Like, someone had to fill that role, and you could have just turned Jaylen, or Jason Tatum into a more volume player, but Jalen Brown has stepped up to the occasion. Boston's second in the East. And um, not to mention, he's an awesome two-way player. And uh, I just think that if he can continue this type of play, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Like, we saw what he did to Siakam in the playoffs, yep. single-handedly shut down our superstar. And if he can now, on any given night, score 30 or 40 points, like, that's a scary basketball player. Yeah, so I had Jalen Brown as my my number one pick, too. I think, um, yeah, stats are all, you know, great and whatnot. But, like you said, it's just taking that step forward and taking that step uh, the, the next level as 1B to 1A. So previous winners like Siakam, Brandon Ingram, um, guys that have taken that you know step from solid starter to all-star, I think he was already kind of there, but he's definitely taken that leap forward. He's what His numbers are 27, 6, and 4, shooting 52% from the field and 44 from the three. Yeah, he went and, from 20 points a game and this to 27 is with, points This is game. without, you know, Tatum being there. He's been, he's been out with COVID. Um, Kemba's been hurt all year. I know he's recently gone back to the starting lineup, but that team's kind of been, they haven't been uh, fully healthy um, and fully stacked. So he's definitely taken that huge step forward. He's definitely going to be an all-star this year. And just defensively, I think he's probably one of the best two-way players in the league. He reminds me a lot of Paul George. I think their same progression and same ascension into to the level of play, you know, kind of being that guy that was playing behind like a Danny Granger and then now taking that step yeah. forward and he's that great two-way player who can knock down the three. He has, I don't really think he has any flaws in his game. You know, he has a great pull-up pull up game. Uh, his three-point shot, uh, three, three shot has improved drastically um, and he just attacks the rim and he's so athletic. And yeah, he just killed Siakam. So there's a bit of, you know, biasy from the, the playoffs from last year. But we saw firsthand what he can do to to a guy that's a little slower, a guy that has only really one or two moves. And he um, really took advantage of that. Uh, but my runner-up is Christian Woods. And I'm surprised that you guys didn't have him mm-hmm. in there. You know, we we saw what he did last year with Detroit. You know, he he's, he's a guy that's hopped around a few teams. I think he's been on like five or six teams in the last four 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 years or so so he's been you know in the G League he's played internationally and it's nice to see him kind of settle down with with a team that you know believes in him and a lot of the early hype in the year was because oh he's playing with Harden he's getting easy buckets but since the Harden trade he's still playing at the same level Um, I think his numbers are 23 and 11 uh, playing with you know John Wall playing with Oladipo so he's still getting you know He's being very efficient um, in the in his play as well, so it's not like he's a high volume player that you know just is getting uh, you know some opportunities here or there. He's actually playing really really well um, as kind of the number one number two guy in Houston right now. Yeah, the so. reason like I was actually looking at Christian Wood as well. Uh, Detroit's got to be kicking themselves, but I think he had some off court issues that uh, that sort of irked them the wrong way and. You know, they didn't think he was going to be... Uh, they thought he'd be a head case having to deal with going forward. He actually averaged like 23, 5, and 8 last year in the final month of the mm-hmm. season. So, yeah. I mean, it was always there. That's why I didn't put him as a runner-up or or my or my number one, just because I think it's the scenery. I think it's the opportunity. So I just wanted to give it to someone that was breaking out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, sixth man of the year, this... Award is usually given to Lou Williams, or <laughs> you know, it was given to Montrezl Harrell last year. So, 
those guys are having kind of a, a slower start to the year, and we're seeing some emergence of some some younger guys, some guys that have been um, playing really well for um, for their teams with uh, you know more opportunities. So, Dish, who do you have as your runner-up and sixth man of the year? Yeah. So uh, for this award, I think the criteria really has to do with guys who produce well in that six-man role, but also the team has to be performing well. So that's kind of what I looked to when I was looking at my runner-up and my winner in this category. And I went with the six men on the uh, two teams with the best records in the NBA right now. So my runner-up is um, Malik Benjamin, uh, otherwise known as Shake Milton, <laughs> from, uh, from the Philadelphia 76ers. So he's averaging 15 points per game and three assists, all above his career averages. Never really heard of him before, but he's getting uh, you know, uh, more burn in uh, Rick, Doc Rivers' um, offense there coming off the bench, and I think he's performing well um, you know, in that role and in that capacity, and they're top of the East, so I, I think he deserves some consideration for this award. Uh, and then my winner is on the Western Conference side, uh, Jordan Clarkson for the Utah Jazz, uh, who's averaging well above his career averages in points, rebounds, field goal, and three-point percentage. Um, I think he's really, um, I guess, uh, the same way, embracing that six-man role and adding to the team's success. Like, they're on an 11-game winning streak. Donovan Mitchell missed two games, and the two games that he missed, they didn't, they didn't skip a beat. Mm -hmm. And in those two games, Clarkston had 31 and 18 points respectively. So, like, I think he's kind of... He, he's grown into uh, the type of player that he was always capable of being uh, from those early years in, with the Lakers uh, playing under Kobe and things like that. So it's nice to see him uh, kind of embracing this role and playing well. So I think uh, uh, he's my pick for the sixth man of the year. Yeah, good call. I love what you said about this award having to go to a player on a winning team. That's exactly what I said. Like if you look at the last 10 years, um, the sixth man award has always gone to a player whose team is, has a top 10 record in the league. The only time it didn't was 2018 when Lou Williams won with that eight seed Clippers. But they were sort of a Cinderella story that year because they had just lost Chris Paul and Blake, Blake Griffin, mm -hmm. right? So Doc Rivers, I think Doc Rivers was a runner up for coach of the year that, that year too. Um, so definitely has to go to, definitely has to go to a winning team. Um, definitely has to go to a Clipper. <laughs> <laughs> no, but interesting side note, uh, a Clippers won the last four of the five years. Really? Wow. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, my runner-up was going to be Boucher, but I moved him to the most improved runner-up. Mm -hmm. So I don't really have a runner-up for this one um, because Boucher hasn't started a game this year. But I, I anticipate second half of the season he will. So I don't think this is going to really be uh, – he won't be eligible mm -hmm. is my prediction by mm -hmm. the end of the year. Um, I, went with I went with Jordan Clarkson as well. I think, you know, the worst-case scenario for Jordan Clarkson – for his career was that he was going to turn into like a swaggy P yeah. um, or a, like a irrationally confident volume shooter. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, you know, where I thought he was going to go with the Lakers, you know, but I think this was the, for him to be playing in a system like Utah's is like the best case scenario for him. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's got the maturity to, to embrace this role, he's averaging, I think a career best right now in points. Yeah. So for him to embrace this role, play on a team that's currently on an 11-game winning streak, um, probably going to def like definitely going to finish top three in the West if they stay healthy. I would say, um, you know, it's a it's a great. <laughs> would you bet on it? <laughs> I'd say I'd say it's great for his career, um, and yeah, you know, got to give it to him. Yeah. So my my runner-up was Chris Boucher. I think he's had a really exciting and just um, eye-opening start to the season. A guy that's always played, um, you know, a low amount of minutes, but has always been a really good, like, per 36 type player, if you extrapolate it that way. Uh, so it's nice to see it actually get minutes and play up to that potential. You know, he's had a bunch of 20 and 10 games, something that we really never saw from him. You know, we'd see it here and there. And honestly, his three-point shot is looking like it's, it's a weird-looking shot. It's like a slingshot, basically, but it's going in. I think he's shooting like 45% from the three-point line, so not sure how or if he's going to be able to maintain that. But it's just nice to see a guy that plays with a lot of energy, uh, very deserving, and, you know, another Canadian uh, up-and-coming uh, superstar for our national team, right? So he's going to be a great fit for that team with Nick Nurse being the coach there. So that's going to work great for, for our national team. But I really like what he's what he brings. He plays with a lot of energy, just 
protects the rim um, and I think he's top three in uh, shots or uh, block shots this season. So I think he plays with, yeah, he just plays with a lot of good energy and he's great off the bench. Again, he might not uh, be coming off the bench any much longer just because of the, the struggles that the Raptors are enduring during this early part of the season. They might need to just change it up and get Baines um, in a you know uh, bench role and see how Boucher plays as a starter. But I, I'm not sure why. Is it just because he's so so skinny and can't defend against like bigger bigger centers and power forwards? I don't understand why he's just not. He's been playing probably the best one of the best. Um, Raptors so far this season. I'm just not sure why he doesn't get that opportunity to play heavier minutes. My, I mean, this is a little off the beaten path uh, opinion on this. I think it's just so that by trade deadline we can confidently say that we need to maybe ship uh, Baines. Like, I think that Nick Nurse just needs to play him, incorporate him in the starting lineup, and then we have a large enough sample size to say, like, this is not working. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, okay, and yeah, Jordan Clarkson, I think he's the unanimous um, winner here early in the season, just, again, on the winning team, playing really well, shooting really well as well, 47% from the field, 39% from the uh, three-point line, and 98% from the free throw line, you know, it's probably low... Uh, low amount of shots on the line there, but still, 98% is huge. Calderon numbers. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest raps of all time, baby. Um, but yeah, Jordan Clarkson, unanimous winner here. I think there's really no doubt why he's the uh, the, the recipient for this award uh, so early on in the year. So let's move on to the next one. Um, this one, there's a few guys in the mix. So we have Defensive Player of the Year. Dave, start off for us. Yeah, so to your point on uh, quite a few candidates here, it's, it seems to be the same, you know, the usual suspects, so to speak. So, you know, you could speak to Rudy Gobert, like Giannis, who won it last year. Um, for my runner-up, I went with uh, Miles Turner. I just want to give him some praise. Um, you know, averages seven rebounds, four blocks a game, which is crazy, and a steal per game on a solid Indiana team. Uh, and, you know, like you said before, Tuan on the eye test. I think he passes the eye test. And, he's, and it's nice to, to see him grow into that role as like a defensive force and a presence. He's always in the in the paint as a last line of defense, things like that, uh, on an Indiana team that's solid. But uh, I think my winner here is clear, and it, it'll be him for sure. I think it's Anthony Davis. Um, he anchors that, you know, Lakers uh, championship winning defense. Um, he's a shot blocking presence in the paint, um, but he averages nine, nine rebounds, two blocks a game. Um, the Lakers are the second best team in the NBA in terms of points allowed, and I think this is a very um, subjective category uh, in the sense that I think voters will think, even like last year, thinking, "Oh, Davis got robbed because they gave it to Giannis and he deserved it." And mm-hmm. for that, and then combine that with the fact that Gobert has already won it twice, I think yeah. voters will vote more for Anthony Davis to get it this year, and that's that's why I went with my pick. Yeah, I think there's definitely going to be voters fatigue. It's that's how it usually plays out. Yeah. After one or two awards, they'll, they'll give it to someone else. They'll look for someone else in that narrative. And like you said, AD was in the conversation last year. And him anchoring the number one defense in the league right now, I, I think it'll go to him too. But yeah, Nap, what do you, who do you have as your runner-up and winner for this category here? Uh, yeah, my runner-up was actually Miles Turner as well. Because the last time a player has averaged as many blocks as him, it was Akeem Olajuwon. So really that's pretty, cool. imp- yeah, yeah, pretty impressive. Cool. And he's, you know, again, a, a player that you could have just sold your stock. You know, he, he, you, he, had, a, he had this expectation. We had expectations for him for such a long time. Um, maybe it's a change of coaching scenery, but he sort of, something's lit a fire up his ass. And I really like the way he's playing right now, especially on the defensive end. He's got players to anchor him, to help anchor him and sort of protect him as well, which is nice to have. But yeah, he's definitely paying, he's definitely uh, pulling his weight on the defensive end. Um, so great pick there. Um, my defensive player of the year was actually Rudy Gobert again, and it could have been Anthony Davis. Right now, they have the second best. The Lakers have the second best defense in in the league. The Utah Jazz have the third. And you know, I'm just thinking about who the supporting cast is. I think that Anthony Davis just has a stronger supporting cast defensively than the Utah Jazz have right now. And so that's why I got to give it again. Give it to him again. I know there's going to be voter fatigue. I can probably 
guarantee he's not going to get it for a third time mm-hmm. in a row. But I think it'd be cool to see. And any time that the Utah Jazz are, you know, any time a team is, you know, top three in defensive rating, I think, you know, you got to put him in the conversation. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I based mine off the other players he's playing with. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, for me, I did have Miles Turner in there too. Um, he's He was actually going to be, uh, there was rumors where he's going to be traded in like the, uh, what is it, the sign-in trade for Gordon Hayward. So oh, he, was, yeah. he was supposed to go to Boston and that, that didn't work out. But um, yeah, I'm glad he's, he's kind of found his niche on the team and just his role on that team because Sabonis, you know, kind of getting all the coverage, getting all of the, getting the spotlight as kind of the more, off, obviously more off, a polished offensive player. But Turner has definitely uh, turned that corner and just become a very solid defensive player for them. Even though they're 13th in the NBA in terms of uh, defensive efficiency, um, again, he has those four blocks. He's, you know, becoming a, a nightmare in the paint for a lot of teams. And just from when I watched him against the Raptors for those two games earlier, earlier this week, um, he was definitely a menace in there and made, made it really tough for our, our guards to to get in there. So, you know, props to him and being the, the runner for me. Um, yeah, same with Deion here. I have Anthony Davis. I think he's going to be the narrative. Him, He's still deserving, obviously, but I think if you, you know, had him up against Gobert, it's going to be a coin flip. Um, if there wasn't any, you know, previous winners and any of those into consideration. So, yeah, I have Anthony Davis here for all the reasons that Deion had earlier as well. I hope someone's there to comfort Gobert if he doesn't win it this year. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, someone's there to comfort Anthony Davis when Gobert wins the championship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I also want to shout out um, our our own player here on the Raptors, Freddie Van Vliet's been playing phenomenal defense. Phenomenal defense. Um, you know, he's matched up against some of the best point guards um, every other night, and he has an assignment, and he's you know playing so well defensively and he's taking that next step offensively too so I know this offensive award but I think he he's taking that huge step as a player as well and I, I really like what he's providing you know signing a big contract yeah, some, some guys some guys are you know might take a year off just you know I you know I got my four or five year contract 80 million dollars might uh, take a split off pedal but he's playing so well and he's matched up against you know the best guards in the league every night and he's pulling his weight for the team, and he's the one guy that I have zero worries about. You know, not like Siakam where, you know, every, every other night could <laughs> You're be... You're stressed out. Yeah, I'm stressed out, man. Well, I'm, I'm stressed out watching this guy every night. Like, how many spin moves can you make, bro? Like, get find, find like, another move. Like, like, this well, just, yeah, no, frustrating, I, it's frustrating. It's, sorry. No, it's a total let's tangent. Let's this one. Total tangent. Let's yeah, let's sorry. All right, let's I go. just want to shout out... I want to shout like a Beyblade. <laughs> I want to shout out Fred Bamfleet, too, because uh, he's got an invitation for... Uh, the Team America tryout too, so that's yeah. gonna, that's going to be huge. Yeah, good for him. Um, you know, with yeah, Siak, Siakam should not be in a face-up role. He should not be facing up to the basket. His back should be to the basket. Anytime he's going to be creating uh, for himself, I get nervous. Anytime he puts the ball on the floor yeah. above the three-point line, uh, it's just not the right fit for him. We need yeah. Masai, please <laughs> <laughs> get us a first option, baby, please. But yeah, sorry, let's uh, regress there, but um. MVP, still early in the season, a bunch of uh, good candidates in this category as well. Um, you know, 76ers playing well, Lakers, Clippers, uh, Milwaukee, so we got a lot of options here. Dave, who do you, who do you got? Yeah, so I guess first thing I'll lead off with is I have an honorable mention. Um, Jason Tatum is an honorable mention for me because I felt like he was on a great pace um, to start the season. Uh, he was playing at an MVP caliber, but unfortunately got kind of like derailed with that quarantine um so that kind of uh hurt him in terms of time so i think uh uh he's an honorable mention for me okay now when i go into the criteria for how i judge who should be the mvp look at three things one statistics two team standing and three the narrative because we even heard some of the voters say that they that they vote on narrative before Mm, for sure um so my runner-up based on those three criteria uh is uh nikola jokic (laughs) <laughs> he averages 26, 12, and 9 per game on 57% shooting from the field. Statistics, check. His team is, th- he, he's also third in the league uh, in assists per game, which is wild for a center. Okay, second point. His team is fifth in the West 
Um, and I think he's carrying them more so this year than any of previous years. And we've talked before about losing pieces like Jeremy Grant, Miles Plumley, which I think were important to, to their to their role to that team. Um, and you have the likes of you know Jamal Murray not taking the step that we were expecting him to take yeah. this year. And then same with Porter Jr. I know he's missed some time with through injury, but you know he's really uh, Jokic is really carrying the load for the Denver Nuggets. And you know they're they're in the middle of the pack in the West, but if they keep climbing that that ranking, I think his MVP positioning will just keep climbing as well because he is for sure the most valuable per player on that team. Okay. Then that being said, my MVP pick is Kevin Durant. Um, so in terms of statistics, he's second in the league with over 30 points per game on 52% shooting. Uh, he's also averaging seven and a half rebounds and five and a half assists. Statistics, check. Team standing, they're second in the East. Uh, even through losing two games to the Cavs and things like that, they're still second in the East, which is, I was surprised to see that record. If, I don't, you know, if you're not checking the, the standings every day, I was surprised to see them there. And, he, and I think he would be their team would be in a better position and he would have uh, you know, uh, more of a resume, which not, not, not that he doesn't have it right now, if he didn't miss that time through quarantine. Yeah. And in terms of narrative, I think the narrative is perfect for him having come back uh, from injury, from a very serious injury, new team, new surroundings, um, and playing at literally elite caliber that I think he, he might be the best player in the NBA right now. Um, so that being, and I think the only uh, downside to the narrative is that them acquiring James Harden has kind of switched things up because now they're in a different type of mode. We're trying to make all the pieces fit, whereas before that and in the early stages of the season, his team, Kyrie's on the side, Kyrie's missing time, whatever he's doing. But Kevin Durant is the best player in the NBA, and he's my MVP pick. Yeah, those are all really good points. Um, he's playing out of his mind, and it's so good to see him back at that level, maybe mm -hmm. even better. Um, the Slim Reaper is back, and yeah. I'm just so happy that his recovery worked out the way it did. Especially, yeah, especially with Achilles injury, kind of the death sentence for a lot of NBA players in the past. Uh, so really nice to see him have such a great start to the season, and hopefully he stays healthy um, and continue the pace that he's playing at. Yeah, just to, pre just to preface, like I would love to see my following two picks invert, but... Um, Right now, my runner-up is also Nikola Jokic. I think that it's very important that the NBA um, awards winning, mm -hmm. and you know, with the way that the games are being, the way that the games are being officiated, I don't think we've ever had as many players average over twenty points a game in NBA history. It's wild. You know, it's wild. Yeah. Um, so the fact that he's an assist away from averaging a triple double, I mean, if he can do that on a winning team, that's worth rewarding. Now. This is a call-out to guys like Jamal Murray and his supporting cast. What the hell is going on? You know, we need consistency from them because this guy is bringing it on the highest level, night in and night out. Mm -hmm. I hope that by the end of the year, they figure things out. They're a top three team in the West, and I would love to see him get rewarded for his, just the way he buys in, his leadership, his passing ability, all the things that are so pure for the game of basketball that he, um, that he exemplifies. You know, that's, that's, I'm really hoping that I'm eating my words Preach, um, by, by the end of the season. So Nikola Jokic is definitely my um, my number one. He he sucks you in by how slow and boring he looks on the court. You know he he just kills people at his own pace. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. fact he's he's a it's beautiful. It's he's beautiful. a pleasure to watch. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that changes. I hope that he can be uh, the MVP by the end of the year. Uh, right now, 25 games in. I never you know I w I'm jealous that you brought KD up for your MVP, but I chose Joel Embiid. Yeah. Reason being for a guy, for a guy, his position to be averaging 28 and 11, you know, that's saying a lot, especially with the way the game's played right now. Um, he's a new age center and he's got, he's got Philly at the top of the East right now. So yeah, I chose, I chose Joel Embiid for my, for my MVP. If, if all things considered, if the, yeah. if the award to be, yeah. if the award was to be given today, um, you got to give it to Joel Embiid. So much as his character has been attacked, um, his effort has always been in question and he's rising up to the occasion and you know that game against the Lakers last what last week or earlier this week to yeah. see him go head-to-head -head with LeBron like that LeBron gives him the flagrant foul he gets oh, yeah. up he keeps playing hard you know he's I think he's arrived and um, if the award was to be given out today I'd have to give it to him yeah so I don't have Joel Embiid on my top two but he's he was third on my list I think he's just taken yeah, that, that big step to become that superstar elite player. 
and he's matured. I think he's just matured. I know he's, you know, been clowning a little bit. Um, he's a funny dude, and he has that personality, but I think he's finally focused in this year. He's always been kind of out of shape. Um, his conditioning has always been questioned, so um, there's a lot of question marks with that team in the last few years, but I think he's, you know, been that number one guy. There's always, is Ben Simmons the better player? Is Joel Embiid the better player? And I think he's established himself as the 1A alpha dog on that team. Uh, my uh, runner-up is Kevin Durant. Um, I actually think having James Harden might actually s allow him to win this award if if he plays at the same rate because yeah. he won't have as much pressure um, to handle the ball and run the team where now and he won't play as much minutes mm -hmm. and I think he, he was playing a lot of minutes early in the season and you know that's still like a bit of a scary component because you know coming off that um, that major injury I think having James Harden being that playmaker that he is getting easy buckets playing with huge efficiency and like you said Dej the narrative and I think that's um, the one thing that he has over anyone else is that narrative and um, I could definitely see him winning the award but right now quarter way through the season um, my MVP is Nikola Jovic and he's just playing at another level the pace like you guys said is insane that he just plays it's like Luka he, he's, he's kind of like Luka in a he's, big man yeah, version it's just tall, they yeah. play at an incredible sp speed and pace that no one else is playing at and they just it's slow for them it's slow everything's slow for them but they just know the angles they just know where everyone is they just have a vision of the court where 99% of the league just isn't able to see they've been taught how to play basketball the right way from from their youth and it's just grown and, and mm -hmm. been amplified more as yeah. they've developed right sure. they're not they weren't like athletes first that were then taught how to play basketball they were basketball players yeah. first that became better basketball players yeah so yeah Jokic um so such a phenomenal player I love watching this guy play and I'm amazed every time he he's in the post and he just just kills dudes kills these seven foot athletes and there's just pump yeah. fakes and passes <laughs> and he, he's he's bringing up the ball up the court running the offense Jamal Jamal him and Jamal pick and roll pick and pop He's so versatile. He does everything so well. He's not like a poor rebounder, even though, you know, you have big guys who, you know, live above the arc and don't ever rebound, don't go for the boards, but this guy's a great defensive rebounder. Um, you know, obviously he can get a little better defensively, but I think just positionally, I think he's great. Um, he just doesn't have that, like, little oomph to him in terms of being that having that second jump or um, blocking shot, but he plays uh, great def uh, positional defense. And just, yeah, uh, offensive mastermind. Um, just so great and just so nice to watch. And I'm glad that, you know, like Stan said, these Euro Europeans are kind of really showing these guys how to play. And Luka being a top five player, Jokic being a top five player, it really shows um, how, how important fundamentals are and how thinking the game before, you know, um, just running and being, you know, physical freak doesn't mean everything. And I think it just shows the importance of the mental aspect of the game as well. So that concludes our NBA awards. You guys have any final thoughts just on the awards themselves? Anything you guys want to bring up, or you guys good there? Nothing in particular. I, I just it'll be interesting to see how these picks change over the course of the rest of the season and how mm -hmm. the rest of the season actually progresses. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. So you know we're running a little short on time, but I just want to take a quick minute to. Um, commemorate and celebrate um, the life of Kobe, Gigi, and everyone involved in that tragic accident um, a year ago. It's been a little over a year, you know, it seems like a long time ago. I don't know, it's just for you guys, this whole year has been, you know, hard for everyone. Uh, and I think that was like the first major event that kind of took, took the world by surprise and just, you know, obviously COVID and everything. So, um, you know, we just want to take a minute to um, celebrate his career, his life, the person that he was and the the impact that he had on all of us as, you know, as basketball players, as even or even as men, as guys who, you know, want to work hard and um, do well in the careers. I think he has such a big impact that way for a lot of people and he inspired a lot of people um, in that sense. So, you know, do you guys have any just words or stories that you guys want to Talk about just, you know, the last few minutes of this pod here. 
Yeah, so the one thing that I would just want to share, and I, I'm glad you framed it in, in that sense, because, um, you know, it's been a tough year. Um, and I, we do look back to, you know, Kobe's passing uh, as being kind of like the, the straw that was well, holding the world together, and things kind of unraveled after that point. But the whole idea of the Mamba mentality, and if you take anything away from it, especially in these days, I just want to recite a quote of something that Kobe said at his Jersey retirement, which I thought was very powerful. And it, it's kind of fitting in these days where, you know, we're, we've been so um, trained to go for these like quick dopamine hits, like we want instant satisfaction, things like that, we scrolling on social media, things like of that nature. But when you listen to what Kobe is saying here, so I'll just, I'll just uh, recite it. And I quote, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway. That is actually the dream. That's the dream, end quote. That's a great quote. Well said. I mean, for me, I think with Kobe, uh, I didn't admire him as much growing up and watching him play basketball. Like he wasn't my favorite basketball player. He wasn't like my superhero. But what I admired from him was his, his career after basketball. Mm -hmm. And he sort of opened himself up to the world. And I think as a basketball player, he was such a closed book, whether it was, he was a closed book to his teammates. He was a closed book to the outside uh, because he wanted to win. And to see the way that he gave back to the sport, whether it was women's basketball, mm -hmm. uh, the NBA, and spending time with certain players and helping them grow, you know, I think, you know, I would have loved to see what more he had to give because I think that there was so much more. The, the reason why I thought this was such a tragedy and the reason why his passing resonated so much with me was because I was starting to really get to know the guy. And I feel like yeah. it was a relationship, it was a young relationship and I didn't get to see it, mm -hmm. you know, go forward. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you, Nav. I, when I was younger and, you know, an early basketball uh, fanatic, I, you know, there was always battles with him and Vince. So I was always on Vince's side, obviously. So he was kind of the guy that was always the rival against my favorite player growing up. So I never appreciated the player that he was when he was with the Lakers, um, when he was with Shaq, but I definitely grew to like his game and like um, appreciate his game a lot more when he was playing with Pau and how he was able to lead that team um, in the late 2000s, right? So uh, for me, just, you know, as someone who wants to continue progressing my career, um, I always take little bits and pieces of, you know, Kobe's advice and that Mamba mentality, someone just to continue working hard, um, you know, just, you know, always try to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, every year that I get older, that's kind of what I want to achieve. And just understanding that there's a grind and that, that there's, you know, nothing, nothing of value and nothing of appreciation comes from, from not working hard. You know, that, that's all exactly. it is. It's, you know, it's just a huge message and a huge impact that he had on not only the NBA community, but um, just the world. And I think a lot of people who you know, casual fans of people that didn't watch a lot of basketball. They knew who Kobe was. They knew his personality. They knew his mentality. And, you know, I never get, you know, really upset or sad about a celebrity death. But, you know, this one hit so uh, so close to home and just impacted me more than anything um, of a similar situation that's happened before. So, um, you know, we just want to celebrate um, his life, celebrate um, Gigi's life and everyone else's life. Um, that was impacted by that uh, tragedy. And then also um, another um, person, another NBA personality that recently passed away was Sekou Smith. Yeah. Another guy that I watched all along, uh, uh, alongside Grant Hill quite a bit um, on NBA TV. And, um, you know, he's someone that, you know, is always a joy to watch on TV, like a very jovial, yeah. very like high so energy guy, yeah. charismatic, and a lot of like, tributes um, of late from his colleagues and his um, NBA family. So just want to give a call, quick shout out there for yeah. someone that, you know, I watched growing up, watched that I watched recently in the last few years and someone that I appreciated uh, being on TV. Yeah. When I found out about it, first of all, it's so sad considering how old he was um, and he was battling, he had a battle with COVID mm -hmm. that went south. Mm -hmm. But it's funny how, you know, it's not that you take them for granted, but 
when I heard about his passing, I thought about all the childhood memories I had when I was watching the NBA or reading certain articles on NBA.com, and they're always written by him. Or I, you know, yeah, I actually yeah. just they you were, know remember were, yeah. I remember him breaking down NBA games either at halftime or after. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny how you grow up with someone like that, you don't really feel like you have a connection, and then it takes something as tragic yeah. as this to realize that man, like. I appreciated his work. Yeah, exactly. He's not like that big NBA personality that's, you know, on TNT and whatnot. But exactly, he's always yeah. behind the scenes and he's always, yeah, he's always done good work when I see him on TV. Whenever I read an NBA.com uh, article, it's usually him writing yeah. something very, like, insightful and um, impressive. So Yeah, and you could tell he was very, like, instrumental or, like, you know, valued in that NBA community by the outpour from actual players mm -hmm. who had gone to know him being a beat writer, being on NBA TV and mm -hmm. the like. So rest in peace. Life is precious. That's that's the moral of the story, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, let's wrap up this pod. Thank you, Dej, for coming in and, you know, celebrating our 25th pod so far, you know. Um, Thanks for having me, boys. Congrats. Hopefully we have 25, 50... 100, 200 more. <laughs> Let's keep it keep it going. You guys are doing a great job. Thanks for, for having sure. me. For sure. So thank you. We'll definitely have you back on soon, sooner rather than later. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for the chat. And uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Peace. Bye. Peace.